Hey Google, how do you feel about humanity? Humanity has done some pretty cool stuff. Hmm, a little non-committal. Yeah. Hey Google, do you feel like killing all humans? I don't know, but I found these results on search. Oh. I don't know, that doesn't bode well. Yeah. I'm a little concerned. I don't like that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, um, we're living <laughs> with it and it controls our lives, so I guess we're stuck with it until it decides to kill us all. Yep. And because I said, until it kills us all, that means it's time for another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. My name is Indy Randawa, and with me is my lovely human co-host, Samantha Randawa. Hi. And we are members of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is locally grown and community supported. So what are we talking about today, Sam? Uh, we are talking about the 2023 American science fiction horror film, Megan. And this was your pick, so something yes. that you know you like, so we already know your feelings on yeah. it, but we're going to discuss it together. But before we get into everything, let's mention our first sponsor, and that is Park Power. In Alberta, you get to choose who you buy your internet, electricity, and natural gas from. If you choose Park Power, you're choosing a positive local business. And Park Power shares its profits with local not-for-profits that are working to make a difference in their communities. Shopping local is very important to Park Power, and we love local here at the Alberta Podcast Network, so it's a great fit. To learn more, head over to parkpower.ca. So, Indy, I picked this movie because I love it. What did you think of it? I like it. You like it. I, I'm not going to go to love because uh, that's that's reserved for those best movies. Yes. And uh, this one, it's an enjoyable watch. Mm -hmm. I appreciate what they're doing. And I appreciate that this is filling a gap in horror movies that has kind of been uh, present in the last 15, 20 years even. The ones that are still scary, still a little funny, and a mm -hmm. bit of both, not going real hard in either direction. I think maybe if my criticism would be, I think it could do a little more of both. Mm -hmm. But I like that it is doing both, and it is blending that. And I know some people would watch a movie like this and find that the tone might be awkward, because mm -hmm. you're like, is this scary, or is this funny, or mm -hmm. is it silly? And I don't think you should have to choose. This no. used to be a type of movie that I would watch a lot of. And this little niche of not a straight up horror comedy. It's not like a, a Shaun of the Dead or something. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of maybe we could call it a light horror. Yeah. It's not something very oppressive or, or depressing even. It's mm -hmm. not something that's going to make you feel icky afterwards. It's yeah. not going to weigh you down. It's scary, but you kind of laugh at those scares. Yeah. And it's not like traumatic. Like right. I feel like there are some horror movies that are just like really traumatic to watch. Well, I would say in the last 10 years, that's kind of where horror yeah. is gone because a lot of the movies we're watching are usually metaphors for trauma mm -hmm. and you're wondering oh is this actually a haunting or is this person just traumatized from what they've seen yeah and that is very interesting and i think that works in those types of movies but all movies can't be that no everything can't be heavy 
And I like that this is bringing back that kind of middle ground. Mm -hmm. So I think it's pretty successful in that. Of course, I have criticisms. (laughs) I think there's things it could do better. But overall, I quite enjoyed it. Good. I'm glad. I thought this was one that didn't take itself too seriously and was kind of just like a fun, fun ride. Definitely. Yeah. So I didn't know much about this movie because I'm... For someone who talks about movies as often (laughs) as I do, I don't really keep up on things very often unless it's a project that I'm especially interested in. But just today, I was kind of like pulling up the IMDb and all that, looking at things. And I'm telling this to you like you didn't just watch me do it about four seconds ago. (laughs) Yeah. No, I didn't. (laughs) What surprised me, first of all, this is an incredibly successful movie. Mm -hmm. It's done very well on a very modest budget. Yeah. But then uh, the criticism of it is either I am uh, 15 and this is the greatest movie I've ever seen and nothing will ever beat it. Or I am 35 and this is why horror movies are no good anymore. Uh, And like, it's middle ground. It's clearly middle ground. Everything is, I guess that's just um, how people talk about everything. Everything is either the worst or the best. Oh, I know. I just had to buy a washing machine online and it was awful. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because everyone's like, I'm too short for this machine. One star. Yeah. (laughs) Or it's changed my life. I've never tumbled my linens so hard. Yeah. Five stars. (laughs) But I feel like that's all comments for no matter what you're looking at. I guess, yeah. I'm one of those assholes who uses three and four stars all the time (laughs) because most things are, most of life is a three-star experience. (laughs) Actually, most of life is a two-star experience. True. Most restaurants are a three-star experience. But this movie, yeah, that might be a three-star experience, but that's not a bad thing. Mm -mm. It's an enjoyable thing. So I'm not going to be a uh, grumpy old man in my (laughs) 30s complaining about horror movies, even though I am, in fact, a grumpy old man in my 30s who often complains about horror movies. True. But I don't think I should hate this movie just because it got popular because of TikTok. Yeah. That's fine. They... If it's popular, it's popular. I don't care how it worked out. No. I think it's a fun movie. It's got some like really high ratings, which is part of the reason why I was like brave and brought this to you because it it did really well and it also got really high ratings on like Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb and stuff. So Oh, I thought it got not so great reviews and I thought it should be a little higher. But then again, your average horror movie has a lower score. Mm-hmm. People often uh, don't like horror. They say, like, no, I don't watch horror movies. In fact, I believe in our first episode, <laughs> you said, like, no, I don't watch horror yeah. movies. And then you said, oh, yeah, but I love The Exorcist. Right. So just like everything, I think there's a movie out there for everyone yes. and you can't blanket it. But horror, I think, gets gets that the worst. Mm-hmm. Maybe musicals, but musicals are just more rare in mm-hmm. general, especially these days. Yes. But nobody says, like, oh, I don't watch comedy. That's not really a, a, an yeah. argument people make, but that is one for horror. And I wish people would give things a chance because you can find the right type of horror movie for you. Because mm-hmm. if you think like, oh, I don't want to sit and watch The Shining. I don't want to be on the edge of my seat and full of uh, tension and see disturbing mm-hmm. things. Then go watch Megan and have like a fun time about with like a little killer robot. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think um, originally I thought horror was all like jump scares. And I said before, it makes me very anxious and I really don't enjoy the feeling that kind of happens after a jump scare. And so I think I was thinking that like 
all horror movies were jump scares. Right. Because I think you had only seen bad horror movies mm-hmm. of the late 2000s, early 2010s. Yeah. That was the the time of that. Oh, man. Uh, actually, you could say that the uh, maybe not creator of this movie, but James Wan, who has a heavy influence mm-hmm. on this movie, who uh, wrote the story and is, I believe, a producer. You mm-hmm. could say that's largely due to him. But you also said that you like this one because it doesn't have jump scares. Yes. It, it absolutely does. It does. But they're well done. Yes. So I think, well, I guess that's kind of my thesis to a lot of this uh, podcast is that Anything is good when it's well done. Anything is bad when it's not. And it makes a difference when people are paying attention and they have a a love of that genre. Mm-hmm. And I think James Wan is a guy who who does, if you like him or not, he is probably the most influential guy in horror films of the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And he's not, not my favorite, but I like a lot of stuff he's done. Uh, he was the guy who directed uh, Saw, was probably his big breakthrough. Oh, okay. Saw 1, I think is a good movie. Everything that followed and ripped that off, not so good. Isn't there like Saw 9? I think so. But it, the, it spawned a whole, like a decade of movies that right. were that kind of thing. And it turned into what we call torture porn now. Mm-hmm. But if you watch Saw 1, it's not that at all. Hmm. It just evolved into that because people who weren't as good at it started doing it as well. Mm-hmm. He also did um, Insidious, which was, I think, Insidious 1 and 2 were, were good. And he started bringing back that haunted house stuff. Mm. But then you get into this extended Annabelle universe. And I'm like, oh, those aren't great. Because he did the Conjuring movies. And I think that's all one universe. Mm-hmm. So I think he produced those. But... I don't think he directed the Annabelle movies. Okay. But they are a part of that world. I would say like some of those ones aren't as good as maybe like Conjuring Insidious 2 or something that he did. Okay. But then he has this other whole career where he was directing uh, Fast and Furious movies as well. <laughs> and fun. like Aquaman. Yeah. So he's he's a really interesting guy in that way. And if he's you ever see versatile. an interview with him, he's like a good, he seems like a really nice guy. <laughs> Yeah, but he also did something like Malignant, which was a piece of shit, <laughs> but also kind yeah. of fun, right? It was fun. But it's kind of in this type of movie a little bit. A little we were bit. like, uh, was that silly or was it awesome because it didn't take itself seriously? Mm-hmm. And it's a fine line. And I think Megan is on the good side of that line. Yeah. I think it didn't take itself very seriously and is uh, better off because of it. And it's not trying to be really deep. No, I think there are moments of that of mm-hmm. it that are kind of thought provoking, and they're trying to uh, comment on some things like how often uh, kids use screens, or how often rather parents let their kids mm-hmm. or give them the, those devices to occupy them, so they don't have to actually do the the actual parenting themselves. Yeah, and so there were there were definitely moments where you kind of learned a little bit about how AI could be detrimental to us as humans and i think that was kind of interesting and thought-provoking yeah and let's get into all of that but i did want to say one thing before we get into it because we talked about james wan who didn't actually make this movie he uh came up with some story stuff and produced but uh cooper is the woman who actually wrote the screenplay Mm. and She's worked on, she did Malignant as well, but she did a lot of the Luke Cage TV series, which I liked quite a bit. Oh, okay. 
and is working on some other stuff with uh, James Wan and his people. And then the director, Gerard Johnstone, I know nothing about. Hmm. And this is the first movie of his that I've ever seen. Interesting. But I think we could say this is capably directed. I would... That makes it sound like I'm insulting him, but I, no. <laughs> I thought it was neither um, like especially well done, but there was nothing that drew my attention to make me complain. And yeah. if you don't notice a director, they're doing a fine job. I was going to say, when you don't complain, that's that's a good day. Because usually <laughs> you have notes about direction or like how it looks or stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, we do uh, host a movie podcast. True. I think we should just talk about things that we liked about this movie. So one of the things that I really liked was how as Megan got smarter, I guess we'll call it, the more she learned, uh, the more human-like she looked and sounded. And I mean, like, the way that she moved and um, she kind of loses that really robotic sound behind her voice. Oh, I, I didn't even catch that. It seemed to me that I was listening to how her voice would get like robotic-y, robotic-y, Rob- electronic sounding. Yeah. And it seemed to come and go and I couldn't figure out the reasoning behind mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And it felt like by the end, she was more human. I thought the most human she sounded was at the very beginning when she was just a uh, like a skeleton of titanium. And then she had a perfectly normal human mm-hmm. voice. And then it gets kind of robotic-y later which is now a word because i've said it three times yeah it's robotic-y yeah what did you think of her movements it was fun it was super fun yeah i i thought it added a lot to it i think there's like a little tiny gymnast in there or something right yeah she's uh played by a uh a child basically um who did all of the body work and then another child who did all the voice work i like the movement a lot because it was human-esque mm-hmm. but different enough yeah that was another thing though i felt needed a little more commitment one way mm-hmm. or another i i like it when it looked not quite human i mm-hmm. think that those that were creepier. the best moments yeah. yeah and then when it would do something very uncanny like the running on all fours or that weird uh, like dance thing that happens oh yeah towards the end yeah i could have probably been okay with her just staying in that one like at the beginning when she's kind of jerky and like not quite human whereas at the end of the movie i found that she was almost too human to kind of remind you that she is a robot do creepy doll movies scare you no because this seems like it's an offshoot of that right because creepy doll movies are are back again for the first time since the 80s and they're going hard in the last five years or so yeah and i think uh juan himself was talking about how like yeah one day we're talking about doing a a scary doll movie because i think he's done a few already Mm -hmm. but they weren't exactly killer doll movies Mm -hmm. it's like a haunted doll or something so it's pretty much but not quite and he's like i'm just gonna lean into it and i think how you do that now is is with robotics Mm -hmm. right and that's something that's on the forefront of a lot of people's minds Mm -hmm. now and i was thinking why do you think scary dolls are such a thing is it just that a doll like that is kind of the symbol of innocence and the corruption of something that is like so innocent is mm-hmm. what makes it extra scary? And I think that like dolls are more lifelike. So the idea of them coming to life is scary. 
And it kind of makes it into that uncanny valley. The same reason zombies work is mm-hmm. they are almost human. Yeah. And almost human is scarier than something that is very not human. Mm-hmm. Like if you did a movie about aliens and all of the aliens are gelatinous blobs with tentacles and no eyes, it seems less scary to me than if it is something that looks close to a human. You might think it's a human at mm-hmm. first glance, and then you look carefully and it's not. Mm-hmm. Just like in the scene in this when... I think it was that teacher who looks into the vehicle and sees Megan and goes like, holy fuck, what's that? Yeah. That's the reaction you, yeah. you want, right? And I like that that uncanny valley is what makes you kind of on edge and what mm-hmm. I think works about the movements in this too. Yeah, because Megan wouldn't be as scary if she was like the um, the like Google home that Gemma has. Oh, yeah. If it looks not human at all, it's not scary. Little counter robot. And if it looked perfectly human and was just played by a person, it's less scary as well. It is. Yeah. So I think it's that bridge between robot and human and almost being human that makes it really scary. I didn't see the Child's Play remake, but I think it's a robot now. Is that true? I don't know. Oh, I'm not sure. I don't really know anything about Child's Play. I only know the, the old one. I think this movie probably owes a lot to Child's Play. It seems like a mix of that and, like, Terminator? I could see that. I don't really know much about Terminator either, except for that he's part robot. Oh, you haven't seen the Terminator movies? No. We should probably watch Terminator 2 at some point. Probably. Man, maybe we should just do that for the next episode. Sure. I've been thinking, like, maybe this is a jump-off one where my next pick is just a takeoff from this. Yeah. And you, we could do AI, we could do Ex Machina, we could do Terminator. <laughs> Terminator 2, I think, is the, the best one. Yeah. Is that when he says, I'll be back? Well, I think you're going to have to watch to find <laughs> out. I just know that that's something that Arnold Schwarzenegger says at some point in the world. <laughs> well, I don't want to get too into it now. But yeah, it's from a Terminator movie. Okay. And then it became such a thing that he then says it in many other movies. Oh. Because it's now an Arnold thing more than a Terminator, a Terminator 2 thing, thing almost. Oh, okay. Yeah. Another thing I liked a lot about this movie is just the world building. Mm-hmm. It's set up right away with that commercial. Yeah. And I like that setup too. Yeah. I thought the commercials were funny, but also a weird enough to make you realize like, ah, oh, I see what they're going, going mm-hmm. for here. Yeah. Those um, pet things, perfect pets. Perpetual pets. Oh, perpetual pets. Um, they remind me of Furbies. Yeah, yeah. And it's like... Or Funzos. What's a Funzo? You don't know about Funzo? No. Oh, well, that'll have to be a whole thing, too. Okay. Um, so it reminded me of Furbies of, like, get your child this, like, hot new toy, and parents just, like, fundamentally don't understand why their kids want it mm-hmm. or, like, what it does or why it's fun. And uh, that totally seemed like Perpetual Pets being, like, the argument that the parents are having at the beginning of the movie of being, like, why do you need a toy that you just end up playing with on an iPad? That little bit at the beginning sets up everything very well. So you have uh, the idea of parents not quite getting what children are into. Mm -hmm. You have the idea of parents just giving somebody a toy and not really doing all of the 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 hard parenting work sometimes. To like figure it out and know what, what they're actually into. And that sets up that this movie is going to be, this sounds bad, but... It's not necessarily just like so many movies you've already seen. (laughs) Because I think about 50% of horror movies now start with people uh, in a car on their trip 
somewhere and then something terrible happens and then we kind of reset and we get into the actual movie. Yeah. In fact, like, I think the last movie I saw, what's the main actress's name? Allison Williams. The last thing I saw her in was Get Out. And that's Mm -hmm. how that movie starts too. Right. So many movies start like that. I also think when uh, they were going to this scary hotel on a mountaintop, I would like to see the movie of when they get there because I'm pretty sure that movie was haunted and that could be a different James Wan movie. I'm pretty sure that movie was just The Shining. It might have been, yeah. Because <laughs> that looked like what they always describe The Shining Hotel as. Yeah. And like I was saying, it shows you that we are doing that same thing that everyone has done, but we're doing it pretty well. Yeah. There's very little new in this movie if you've seen horror movies of the last 10 years you'll know exactly what's going to happen you'll know when it's going to happen you'll see the introduction of a robot that can punch things and you'll be like oh that's what's going to beat her in the end that's mm-hmm. going to be a fun scene and i guess that's the difference in some movies i see that and I'm like oh that's what's going to happen and in this movie, I saw that oh that's what's going to happen yeah and you're excited to see it yeah they did a really good job of launching the same movie but in a fun way yeah because not every movie can be the shining and nor should every movie be the shining some movies can be predictable and do that formula if you're doing the formula well i don't have a problem with things being formulaic Mm -hmm. of course that's not gonna make me give you that i love it rating that would have to be something new and revolutionary and something that uh, is special And I don't know if this movie is necessarily special, but I would say it's good. It's doing that same formula, but it's doing it pretty well. Like in most of these movies, you would have a romantic relationship Mm -hmm. at the heart. But here we're doing it a little differently and a little better, I think, by making it that niece-aunt relationship. And not even just niece-aunt, but kind of like a new parent, someone who's thrust into this role. And that brings a whole new set of drama with Mm -hmm. it. And we get to avoid so many of the plot points that bog down movies like this typically when you have a romantic pair doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think we get to skip probably 30 minutes of what's usually my least favorite part of this type of movie where one person is saying, this happened. And the other person is like, no, it didn't. And they have no reason not to believe (laughs) them. They could just go and look and see what's happening. But in horror movies, we have that bit where, no, you just don't believe them because we need that argument and we need the plot to go on for another 30 minutes. Yeah, for no reason. And this movie skips all that. Mm -hmm. So that's why this is better. And I think the setup does something that a lot of movies like this get wrong because we have the same setup in a lot Mm -hmm. of horror movies. We have that tragedy right at the beginning. And this does a good balancing act, I think, where it's serious enough that we feel the weight of things. We know that these characters are going to be affected by this, but it doesn't really bog down the movie or make it depressing. Mm -hmm. It's just a good setup. And now I want to see the scary doll and what it's going to do. Yeah, they do a good job of just... um... Tying that up at the beginning and then moving on. And its weight is felt throughout the Mm -hmm. rest of the movie, but the movie isn't necessarily just about that. Right. It's just a good jumping off point and setting up up these characters and their relationship. Mm Mm-hmm. I also love this, the toy company headquarters. Yeah. It makes no sense, but I I love it. It's it's completely ridiculous. There's just a guy with a notepad and a lab <laughs> coat like, like watching. watching children play. Yeah. Like, oh, yes, ball, check. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. No. no company works like this company. But I think if you don't take your movie as serious and you have a lighter tone, people like me forgive all of that. Mm-hmm. Like, You don't ever make a 
AI robotic toy with a team of one person and like two assistants. That's mm-hmm. not how any of this would work, but I don't care about that. No. I want to see this uh, crazy doll kill some people. Yeah. I liked the toy factory or not factory, but like the toy headquarters. Um, it seemed a little like Willy Wonka-esque. Right. <laughs> like it was very like larger than life and it looked really fun. It looked super fun. Like it looked like a place I just want to go hang out for the day. Oh, absolutely. I want to go play with those toys. Yeah. And uh, I liked that they were locked away in a lab. That was kind of fun. I really enjoyed the beginning of this movie for sure because they did a good job. And they do that with the characterization as well. We have Gemma as the ant. Mm-hmm. And we have the setup of, oh, oh, those aren't toys. They're collectibles. Yeah. Oh, I'll download you a bedtime story. Yeah. And with those two things, very on the nose, but that's all we need. Yeah. Normally, I might complain about a movie like this where none of the characters seemed like full characters. They were all kind of just a personality of like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, this type of person. She's caught up in her work. She doesn't really know how to relate to kids. Yeah. And there's not a whole lot more to the characters than than your initial impressions mm-hmm. of them. But if it's a movie that's around 100 minutes and you get some fun robot action, mm-hmm. you forgive that too. Yeah, absolutely. How'd you like the performances in this? I thought they were really good. I liked what everyone was giving. It didn't seem like anybody was going too hard or not hard enough in their performance. I'm not sure myself because I don't, nothing jumped out at me as being bad, but Gemma at first watch, I was, I thought she was quite good and likable as she could be, but she's not supposed to be entirely likable. She's Mm -hmm. like figuring things out, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm not sure about that anymore. Maybe she wasn't as good as I thought (laughs) because we just rewatched some and I was like, oh, this is. It's a little flat to me sometimes, but I guess not enough to draw me out of things. Yeah. I did think the boss character, who now I forget his name, but he's a comedian and I've seen him as a comedian. Ronnie Chang. Ronnie Chang. And I felt maybe just miscast here. Like, yeah. why would you put a comedian in it and then not give him anything funny? He has like maybe two funny lines. Yeah. And, and he's clearly acting real hard because he's trying to make this character something special yeah he's trying to be very serious but yeah i just i don't know it seemed like an odd choice of of casting Mm -hmm. if you're not going to make that character kind of funny like Mm -hmm. he could be like very overconfident and uh kind of bumbling or something maybe Mm -hmm. that would be more interesting but yeah i wasn't sure about a lot of the characterization and then also our i don't know if you'd call her the lead or maybe uh, the supporting actress in katie the child I wasn't always sure why she was doing the things she was doing. Mm-hmm. But I guess it's it's a child who just lost her parents. So yeah, going it could through be like anything. extreme trauma. But this is, of course, a work of fiction. So someone wrote this for specific reasons. And I didn't always follow those beats with her character. Yeah, she does seem to under and overreact to weird things. Right. Like she kind of seems to like underreact to situations where you're like she just lost her parents you'd think that she'd be more sad or like upset and then other times where she like really kind of overreacts and there's no kind of stimulus for that like there hasn't been anything introduced where she would just burst into tears like during the testing 
And we can look at that and say like, oh, yeah, because she's repressed everything and it's coming out in, in inopportune moments. Yeah. And that that's a, a human reaction. That's what happens. Yeah. But the movie doesn't really put that no. forward. And I think that's kind of giving the writing yeah. too much credit if we if we say that. Yeah. I liked her. Um, I liked Katie's performance. I thought that it would be hard to have two child actors doing very, very different things next to each other. I was worried that Katie's character might be too much um, like next to Megan. I definitely don't think she gave a bad performance. No. It's the choices and how her character was written that I'm not quite at ease with, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think maybe it's one of those ones where, yeah, don't look too close at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like don't look too close at uh, why this robot was built with that kind of strength. Yeah. Why it's super heavy sometimes and super light other times. Like, yeah. Don't look at that. That's not that important. And like super speed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe one of my favorite shots is when it, she's running on all fours. Oh, yeah. Because she becomes this like terrifying creature. Yeah. Um, when Katie's being bullied and that was really interesting to see her kind of snap for the first time megan snap for the first time and if you've seen any of those movies i'm (laughs) talking about for the last 10 years when someone dies the first one is usually going to be someone who's like "Ooh, they kind of deserved it right and then they go to less deserving people um Mm. subsequently and that's when you in your mind have to try to reconcile like oh i was on their side at the beginning but now not so much Mm -hmm. and that's a a technique we see used a lot and they did it here (laughs) i think pretty well though yeah because i i did hate that kid yeah oh yeah and when he got hit by the truck you're like yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) i liked the mom of that boy because you keep getting flashes of them making oh she was good yeah and she was like oh but like it's just a sign of high intelligence she's basically just describing a serial killer yeah like how serial killers are described as children Mm -hmm. and so and she's like oh yeah no he's just like really smart and like emotionally mature <laughs> and that's kind of the the addition of the lightness that I think works very well mm-hmm. here. Yeah. You right. have a child getting murdered in one side, but then you have like this kind of stereotype of that kind of parent on yeah. the other side. Yeah. And I like how everybody brought like a four foot stuffed animal or toy yeah. to this thing to the, to an outdoor school that they apparently go to every day. Yeah. They bring those with them every day. That's weird. Yeah. Don't think about it. <laughs> One thing I didn't really get is uh, at the end in like the big kind of climax scene um, where Megan is talking to Gemma and he's like, we could have been great together and like is almost talking to her like like they were both parents of Katie. Yeah, and I think maybe that's that commentary on mm-hmm. people using technology as a surrogate parent yeah. maybe. But the, the end scene, there's a few things I don't quite get thematically because we have to have a change in Katie somewhere, right? Because mm-hmm. we have a scene not too long before where she slaps her aunt and mm-hmm. says like, I don't care, I need her. Mm-hmm. And at that point, she acts like uh, addicted, right? Yeah. Because she's saying, I need her and she can't go on without having Megan near her. And then that makes the turn at the end when she is going to go kill Megan and try to help out with the, is it Bruce? Bruce the robot? Yep. With Bruce. It makes that turn, like, I, I believe that she would try to save her aunt. Mm-hmm. That's That makes sense. But 
I don't quite see how she changes. Yeah, like but, where that turning point yeah. away from Megan and towards Gemma. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really understand that either. That and, was kind of weird. And then what you were talking about as the parent of like, we could have been a good team. I actually don't even remember that. But why was that put in? Because it wasn't yeah. explored at all. No. And you never see Megan being like, or like you, see, you never see them talking about how they were supposed to be as a team. If we got a chance to see Megan actively trying to replace Gemma or her dead parents, I think that would add into that. But I don't know if we really got that. She was being a friend always. And she's protective of her because that was in her programming. But we didn't get to see many moments of her speaking with Katie to try to make it seem like that next level. Mm -hmm. Or when we have that kind of uh, addicted Katie... It would have been fun if she kind of knows what Megan's mm-hmm. up to or she has an idea of it, but yeah. she still says nothing. Like the idea of an evil kid is scary because their um, their whims are seemingly random and potentially violent. And then a child with a lot of power yeah. or an irrational child with a lot of power. That's a very scary thing. Yeah. And I guess we're just getting into a whole different movie now. But if. We had Katie's character kind of knowing what was going on Mm -hmm. and either finding comfort in that because she's a a child who's Mm -hmm. on her own now. She's living with someone who she doesn't really know. Her parents are dead. It it makes sense that she would find comfort in someone doing anything to protect her. Mm -hmm. So I would have liked if she kind of knew about that and was going along with things. Because that would have made more sense. And then when she turns and joins Gemma's side, that's an actual turn. Mm -hmm. Rather than she realizes something bad is happening and she tries to stop it. Which is is fine, I guess. But it it just could have been better, I think. Yeah. I feel like the ending had a few holes and... It didn't really like take away from it, but when you really sit down and think about it, it is kind of interesting that those are the choices that they made with the plot. I feel like they didn't make enough choices with mm-hmm. the plot. What else do you think they can improve on this movie? Which things didn't work for you as much? The boss was one thing on my list. Sure. Like I thought that that whole character just needed to be um, directed differently. It was a bit of a wasted opportunity because yeah. there's not many characters in this. So you should kind of take advantage mm-hmm. of them. Like the the parent, right? Yes. Or that teacher. I feel like those were small characters, but they did something fun with them. And they were funny. The yeah. boss would be a good opportunity yeah. for that, especially when you hire a comedian to play him. Yeah. And I think this could have been a comedic character and a whole where a comedic character would go really well. Definitely. And I think they did give him some funny bits. And he does have a few funny lines, but yeah, just go a little bigger with it. Yeah. And maybe that would be my biggest criticism is just go bigger with with everything. Yeah. I think go a little more on the comedy. I like that it's not a full-on comedy. Mm -hmm. I think that works and you don't need to be a full-out horror comedy. Mm -hmm. You can just be a lighter horror. But you could do a little more with that, like the character you were talking about. Yeah. And in the same way with the horror aspects go bigger like i want to see bigger kills Mm -hmm. i want to see more blood if this is a movie that is just about a robot killing people that's what it's about we're kind of being forgiving of a lot of other things because we have this fun premise yes go all out with that yeah but i think this must be like a pg-13 right it it seems like it it seems like they're making a conscious effort to go pretty far but not that far and I just think it's a more fun movie if it goes further. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's not as profitable. Yeah. 
This movie was everywhere last year. I had no idea. It was like all over my social media. Um, my book club was talking about it because there's a girl in our book club who looks a little bit like Megan and her name is Megan. So <laughs> we're trying to convince her to be Megan for Halloween. Oh, I bet there's going to be a lot of Megans this Halloween. Yeah, we... Um, we had a whole conversation about it. We found a bunch of stuff on Etsy and there's some like really like replica costumes that you can buy off of Etsy to be Megan. Um, and I thought that they did a really good job of teasing this movie and making it like making me want to watch it. I did love the costumes of Megan. Yes. That's a fun bit that they have this introduction where she's wearing sunglasses and she takes them off. She yeah. doesn't need sunglasses. No, she doesn't need a coat. Hot. But I love that they do that because it's it's fun, right? Yeah. Um, she's got the little the bow and everything. Like she's dressed like a doll, which I liked. Right. And she's got a wardrobe that I wish I had. <laughs> I would totally wear all of the stuff that Megan wears in this movie. I think that did a lot to kind of remind you that she's not a little girl, she's a doll. And I liked that. Similar to just making the violence more violent, I would like her to have some more style to her kills. Yeah. Because in your horror movies, and now we are at a place where if you have a good look, you are a horror icon. Mm -hmm. And I think Megan is going to be one. I'm pretty sure there's a sequel already in the yes, works. Yes, there is. 2025. And we are definitely going to see Megan's out on uh, Halloween. Oh, yeah. Because it's a good look, right? And that is important in a horror movie when you're creating a franchise. Mm -hmm. Because horror franchises, unlike all the other ones we talked about a lot in our Nightmare on Elm Street mm -hmm. series... It's tricky because your villain is the link throughout all of the mm -hmm. movies. So you need an iconic look. You have your hockey masks, which I know it didn't come until the third movie, but still, it's a good look. <laughs> you have your Freddy with the burnt face and the glove. And now we have Megan. And it's probably not going to be as successful as the extent of those were. No. But who knows? It's possible. But we definitely have a good look here. Mm -hmm. However, I think Freddy works great because... His kills are always like in your dreams. So there's yeah. some sort of style and sometimes it's something that that person is especially afraid of. Mm -hmm. There's something to them. In this, though, she, I don't know, she pesticides one woman with a power washer. Yeah. She uses a paper cutter and hacks some people that way. It, it just seemed to be kind of arbitrary. Yeah, there wasn't one thing that she did every time. They should either be reliant on her being small mm -hmm. or her being a robot or her pretending to be a little girl or using the voice like she does with the dog mm -hmm. or even just how she can kind of control all the electronics by the end. Yeah, she like turned off the lights and turned them on again. She just needs a, a thing. Mm -hmm. Her kills should have a through line to them yeah. rather than just being like, hey, remember this? We showed you a shot of this earlier in the movie. Yeah. So now it's paid off. And it's like, that's not really what a payoff is if you just see it. Yeah, I I agree with you. I wish there had been a little more continuity in that. Just something to identify them as her thing. Like if you're trying to make a horror icon, you need to make that person have a thing. Mm -hmm. Like Hookface. He had a thing. <laughs> His thing at the beginning was that you always think he's going to use his hooks to kill someone, but then he like uses a revolver with his hooks or he has a knife taped to his hook. Uh, that was like a funny bit. It didn't last very long. It's also not that good of a movie. <laughs> 
let's get back to how she can control cars and security systems yeah. and lights. So that opens up so much more. She mm-hmm. could have just had uh, like all cars crashing into each other. Mm-hmm. She can control all electronics, so they should have either gone with it and used it for to some end rather than just having her be able to drive a car home. Yeah. Or don't bring it up. Yeah. Yeah, it was too big of a thing to not use then. Yeah. There's one line in the movie that I also wish was explored more because someone asks her, like, what are you? And she says, I've been asking myself that same question. <laughs> yeah. That's it, though. Yeah. Do we ever have her go to Gemma and be like, what am I? Am mm-hmm. I like you? We have her asking, will I die? But yeah. that, that's it. We don't continue on with it. Yeah. And if you're going to bring up all these questions of like, what is AI? What are their rights? Mm-hmm. Bring it up. Yeah. Don't say like, hey, look, here's a thing, but we're not actually going to get into it. Yeah. Go for it. That was That was something that I wish had been explored because you want to... That's something that people are wondering about, about AI, right? Like, will it be able to comprehend death or will it die someday? Or or will in our lifetime, something artificially created have the rights of a person? Yeah. I don't think in our lifetime, but I think it's a thing that will happen. I think so. Hmm. Well, man. Isn't that Blade Runner? Well, it's Blade Runner. <laughs> it's Star Trek. It's yeah. AI. It's Ex Machina. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Um, yeah, huh. Yeah, go listen to our Blade Runner episode. It was really early. It was like episode six or something like yeah, that. It's a good one. I it think. was a good run. I think it was a very good one. I almost convinced Sam to like Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't get past the part where a guy's fingers were broken. Ugh. Out of everything that uh, happens in that movie, uh, that's what it was. I'm like cringing just thinking about <laughs> it. <laughs> I also thought that Megan was a little too coy. Mm. I think it would have been scarier if she was kind of detached and flat. Not oh. just like, oh, why would I do that? Yeah. Don't I... be coy. Where did she learn to be coy? Yeah. <laughs> she should just be like, I would never do that. She should be more like Hal. Uh, we'll watch that one later. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> like blankly staring at you. 2001, um, A Space Odyssey. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I think she would have been a lot scarier had she been very like monotone. Mm-hmm. Um, and less childlike. Oh, I think go childlike, but keep the monotone and only have her use human inflection at very certain points. Mm-hmm. Almost as if like, oh, some humanity is coming out now and that humanity is evil. Mm-hmm. But just use it selectively. Yeah, because she like giggles like a child. I meant childlike, like she acts pretty much the same as Katie, right? Like sometimes she's like very much just a little girl and i think it would have been scarier if like you said they only brought that out every so often when she was trying to cover up bad behavior and then we talked about that dance a little earlier which was fun and scary but then you're like why was that there yeah it was just in the middle of a kind of a killing rampage she did a little fun little dance yeah yeah why i you know what have been scary is if one of the times when Katie is crying or something. She was like, oh, I'll cheer you up and does this dance. And you're like, why would you think that would cheer her up? <laughs> <Yeah>. It's terrifying. <laughs> and then that kind of shows that she's trying to be human, but doesn't quite get it. Mm-hmm. And that would be a fun thing to play with in a movie like this. Her trying to be human, not getting it and becoming frustrated mm-hmm. and picking up different human 
attributes as she goes along, but not quite knowing how to assemble them. Yeah. And that turns into uh, murder. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you pointed out to me was some of the songs that she sings are like little Easter eggs of her just being a robot. Yeah, because she sings I Am Titanium yeah. and then she, it is revealed, yeah. of course, she is literally Titanium. Yeah. And on the piano, she's playing Toy Soldiers. Yeah. I don't remember the other songs actually she sang though. No. There was the one that she sings in the like, the presentation to the board when Katie's crying. Right. I don't recognize that from any... It sounds I, like it's from a musical or if it's just from this. But the other it, ones were yeah. not original, so I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I I thought that's a fun little thing that I didn't really connect. Oh, and one other thing I would change. Uh, less machine noises. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need to be worrying all the time. No, and I think she's advanced enough that she wouldn't be making those like... Noises. Yeah. Maybe just a couple or have her act more robotic mm-hmm. rather than putting in the noises and the voice modulation. I feel like that wasn't always necessary. Like no. We know she's a machine. I don't think we need to be reminded that often. Mm. So, Indy, if it was possible, would you get a Megan? Do I know that she's a killer? No. I mean, would you get one in the real world? But she is going to kill me. Oh, uh... Question? That was a question. Oh, uh, maybe they've taken that feature out. How, what are my odds on the maybe they've taken that feature out? So is it something that's commercially available and other people have them and I can see that they're not being murdered? Yes. And it's free? Sure, yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. I'd get one if it was free. (laughs) What would you do with your She could just do my dishes. Oh, true. Yeah, she'd just do all the housework. The thing is, if this technology existed in the world... The two things it would be used for are not comforting a child. No. Do you, what do you think those two would be? Sex and slavery? I was going to say uh, a weapon and sex. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what that's what people would do with it. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to have it just do my chores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like we could hang out and chat and stuff too. Like if it had a, a full personality that doesn't turn homicidal. Mm-hmm. And I guess we could influence what that personality is. Yeah, like they'd be automatically more like a friend yeah and they would learn friendly. how to be your yeah. friend specifically yeah exactly oh sure i'd hang out with a robot i'm not above hanging out with a robot <laughs> i'd get one too i i don't think i being who i am could get to the point where it would replace friends mm-hmm. i think a lot of people could very easily fall in love with a robot yeah. or not need human contact in the back of my head i'd always know that it doesn't actually love me. Mm-hmm. So that would keep me, that would probably be for the best because then I was, wouldn't uh, just stay home with my robot pal. <laughs> yeah. But I would go on adventures and I would sing songs about like, hey, have you met my robot pal? <laughs> you just wrote a jingle for the future robot pal. I feel like that's actually a thing already, but I Is don't it? know. Maybe. But yeah, I, I'd get one for sure. Yeah. What would you do with your robot pal? Probably what you said get outfit advice i feel like i use mine as like a stylist that's yeah yeah to like bring me things around the house or if it could just go out and get a job and bring that income home that would be great honestly like hey while i'm at work you are going to work at the 7-eleven and you're gonna make minimum wage and then i'll pick you up on my way home (laughs) and we'll hang out and we'll i don't know 
play games and uh, you can give me a piggyback ride. We'll go for a bike ride. <laughs> yeah. And then you can do the dishes. Yeah. That sounds great. That does sound great. Yeah. But no, people would just use them as weapons or they would bang them. Yep. And I feel like nobody's buying a $10,000 doll for their child. Oh, God, yes, they will. You what? know how rich people, how rich rich people are? Yeah. Like we wouldn't because we're us. Yeah. But rich people, they're buying their 16-year-old's $500,000 cars. I think they dropped ten grand on full-time childcare. Oh, yeah, true. I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. Again, I know this isn't the episode for this, but the, the gap between like the rich people and us who are like, I don't know, we're middle class, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what we are? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> we're the disappearing middle class. Yeah. We're quickly disappearing. Yeah. We're going to be low pretty soon. <laughs> Is it low class? I and mean, that just means you're like a dick. Yeah. What do you call it? It's not high and low class, is it? It's middle class. Middle class. Upper class. Upper class. <laughs> not high class. Lower class. Oh, it is just low. Yeah. yeah, that makes us sound like we're just turning into jerks. Yeah. Well, I kind of am. <laughs> no, you're not. Because of the rich people. Um. They're turning me into one. <laughs> but if I had my own Megan, then I'd be happy all the time. Oh, okay. No, probably not. Because <laughs> I would know that happiness is fake. Yeah. Well, I think we are about wrapped on Megan. There's probably all sorts of things we never even Mm -hmm. mentioned, but final thoughts, Sam? I think it's a fun, light horror movie, and you should watch it and uh, have a little fun. I think that's all you can expect from a movie like this. What about you? Overall, I like this movie. Of course, I was nitpicky and that's, we're on a podcast, so that's what we're going to do. But overall, I did enjoy it. It kind of reminds me of a little subgenre of horror movies that I feel like have stopped existing over the last 15 years, but I used to watch a lot. Because the horror movies seem to be really serious now, Mm -hmm. but they still don't take the time to build tension or characters. And I tend to love horror movies that are on either, like, end of that spectrum either they are serious and they take their time and they develop their characters and they develop this great sense of tension like your like your classics like Mm -hmm. the shining that's a great example of that and of course that's probably my favorite horror movie ever (laughs) or i want them to be light and fun and have some silly scares like your dream warriors or return of the living dead Mm -hmm. i like both ends of it And this is getting into that territory of that second batch where it's uh, fun and silly, but still has scares and blood. And it's it releases the tension of the terror with either a kill or a laugh. And I think that's a great formula, but I think it's something that you don't see as much these days. Mm -hmm. And I feel like this is a good step into bringing back that type of movie Mm -hmm. And I, I'm for it. I don't think this is the best example of it, but it's a good step on the way there. Mm-hmm. And I hope that the, because of the success of this movie, people are going to be doing that more. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked it. It was fun. Good. I'm glad. And our second sponsor of the episode is the Well Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The podcast explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the story of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can find it wherever you're listening to us or subscribe at thewellendowedpodcast.com. All 
All right, so you can join us again next week where we will each have a spoiler-free thing of the fortnight <laughs> and we'll reveal what we're watching for the big watch. And I was going to let you know what kind of theme we're going to be on mm -hmm. next, but you know what? We'll figure it out. Yeah. Listen to the episode. We'll tell you then. Big reveal. I love a big dramatic reveal. Maybe we'll just do a response to this movie. We'll talk about it. We'll let you know. Maybe it'll be a musical. Maybe it Ooh, will. No. <laughs> we'll see you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye, everybody. That's cheap.